Bible, if you would please, the Old Testament. Well, actually, first book in the Bible, book of Genesis, chapter number four. Genesis, chapter number four. Not a lengthy series, but on Sunday morning, we and we will not be on this series next week, but uh, we'll have today and one more, and we'll finish a um, small s- series we've done on the five important questions of the Bible. Uh, Genesis chapter 4, stand with me if you would please. I'll begin reading verse number 1. Please join me verse number 2. We're going to read a few more verses than we normally would. We'll close together verse number 10. Genesis 4.1, the Bible says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of the flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and his offering he had no respect, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thou countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shall not thou be accepted? And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with his, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. This is not the message this morning. What do you think God hears in heaven of all the murders that have taken place in our country? Innocent lives, little babies, innocent people. Their blood still cries to God. Verse number 9 is our text. The question that we will be before us, am I... My brother's keeper. Am I my brother's keeper? Father, help us this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people. I thank you for your church, your body, bought and paid for by the blood of our dear Savior. Lord, I thank you for this hour. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts, turn us to your purposes this morning. Not a real typical Sunday morning message, more for the child of God. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. I want to be bound by thy word. And Father, if I say something this morning that is not doctrinally correct, help it to soon be forgotten. But Father, I pray for those things that find their true basis in your word. Would you, through your spirit, put them on each of our hearts and change us, Father, for your sake. That's why we've come this morning. We're not playing church. We're not doing church. We haven't come to be entertained. We've come to be changed, and I pray you do that this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I hear the Savior say, 
Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed in white as snow. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of love sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. died my soul to save my lips shall still repeat Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow so I'll change trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Sin had left a crimson Brother Stephen and Brother Josh coming out this morning. Who's got special this morning? And he said, the kids. I'm thinking, why did my wife put kids singing on Sunday morning? I didn't know she knew they were thinking, our kids. Am I my brother's keeper? I want you to go back. And if you were not a part of uh, the previous Sunday's messages, I want to review just a little bit. The first week we looked at this. What shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? That is a question that each and every one of us here this morning must one day answer. 
There's really only two things we can do. We can receive Him or we can reject Him. You say, preacher, that's not true. I'm just not going to make any decision. Well, if you've not chosen to receive Him, then you've in fact chosen to reject Him. We can crucify Him. We can crown Him. But we must all answer. And I pray if you've not, if you're in the room this morning, I was talking to the men. Sometimes some things happen here after our services are over that you're not aware of. And last Sunday, certainly, and you pray for Crystal and Steve. They're traveling today. But Brother Steve came to join our membership. And we had two precious young ladies that accepted Christ as Savior after church last Sunday. And we'll be baptizing at least one of them next Sunday, Lord willing. But I think about this. Maybe you're in this room and you come and, and, and you're faithful, but you've never received Christ as Savior. I pray throughout the week that the Holy Spirit of God would warm your heart with that question, what shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? We looked at the second week. If a man dies, shall he live again? We believe that Job had placed, and he's looking at the graves, the newly marked graves of all of his children and he's missing them and wondering what will happen will he see them again and so that question comes and we dealt with that question if a man dies shall he live again with confidence we see this we turn to first corinthians 15 and understood the apostle paul directed that in christ we will see our loved ones again jesus christ the first adam uh, and you, I'm the second Adam. Uh, Adam was the first Adam in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, but Christ the second Adam. He rose again, so can we. We looked at last week the saying from the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We understood this. It wasn't the Roman soldiers that, that crucified our Savior. It wasn't Pilate. It wasn't the Jews that cried out with one voice, His blood be upon us and our children. Really, we looked at it, it was your sins and my sins that nailed Christ to Calvary's cross. And he went through that shame and that embarrassment of hanging on the cross for you and for me. Now this morning, am I my brother's keeper? You think about this. Two different boys, and how many of you had children, and you may have had two of the same sex? Uh, and I think about this, for ours, it was certainly that, for our two girls, Rebecca and Karen, Different as night and day. Both have strengths and weaknesses. But different as night and day. You say, boy, I raised two and they were totally different. Two boys or two girls. So it was with Adam and Eve. You look back now, chapter 4, and you'll see this, that Cain was a keeper of the ground. He grew things. Uh, what lovely vegetables and whatnot that he grew. But Abel was a keeper of the sheep. I'm going to ask you something this morning and ask you to jump in with me to this morning's message. Do you believe that Cain and Abel were taught by their mama, Adam and Eve, about what kind of an offering to bring to God? Sure they were. Did Cain know that he was supposed to bring a blood offering? Yes, he did. Did Abel know? Yes, he did. Mom and daddy taught him. All right, and let me show you. Leave a marker in Genesis 4. We'll come back. Look at Leviticus 2. Leviticus chapter number 2. Here is what I believe these truths were taught to Cain and Abel. Uh, Leviticus chapter number 2. You'll look with this. In verse number 1, it starts this way. And when any 
will offer a meat offering unto the Lord. His offering shall be a fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it and put frankincense thereon. And he's going to go over all of the offerings as you bring them to the Lord. But you, you, and you'll look at these offerings, but you go down uh, to verse number 12, and it says, And for the oblation of the first fruits ye shall offer them unto the Lord, but they shall not be burnt on the altar for a sweet savor. And every oblation of thy meat offering shall thou season with salt, neither shalt thou uh, suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from the meat offering. With all thine offerings thou shalt offer and if thou offer a meat offering of the first fruits unto the Lord, thou, thou, uh, thou shalt offer for the meat offering of the first fruits green herb, ears of corn, dried by fire, even corn, beaten out uh, full of ears. And thou shalt pour oil upon it, lay frankincense therein, is a meat offering. You'll look at this later on, and this goes over all of the offerings that were brought to the Lord. Later on in the book of Leviticus, it says, without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin so these boys understood these young men knew they weren't boys they understood what they were doing and you'll see this all of us see uh now Cain get angry he's filled with pride my vegetables are just as good as my brother's offering whatever it's a little lamb or whatever Abel brought mine are just as good now he's filled with pride and he's filled, Cain is filled with fury. In the 11th book of Hebrews in chapter number 4, Abel is spoken of and you'll see he had a sensitivity to sin. Cain did not. Cain is going to find his own way to God. That's the world's religions today. But Abel, and, and he's in the hall of faith we see in, Gen in Hebrews chapter 11, and he had a sensitivity to sin. He understood what God wanted and what God expected. And he brought an atoning sacrifice. Blood poured out for his soul. And when God looked at, upon it, the heart of the Lord was moved. And God accepted the love and the dedication and the atoning sacrifice that Abel brought. And that perpetuated the awesome confrontation that resulted in the murder of Abel. God confronted Cain about his offering and he gave him an opportunity to make it right. And Cain chose not to. He chose not to. You think about this. So then in verse number 9, go back to Genesis 4. Now Cain killed his righteous brother Abel. I believe there's more to it than just a brother getting mad at a brother. I believe that Satan filled the heart of Cain against his righteous brother Abel. I think that you can follow two lineages uh, all the way from creation of man to the Antichrist and to our Savior. And I believe it was the work of Satan to try to stamp out that righteous line. Do you remember what the young man's name that God gave to, uh, to Adam and Eve after Abel died? What was his name? His name was Seth, righteous Seth. So now that line is going to come from Seth to the Christ child, Matthew chapter number 1. But look at this, if you would. God gives Cain another opportunity. He doesn't take that. Anger's filled his heart. He kills his brother. Now God understands the blood of his righteous brother cries up in verse number 9. God comes to visit Cain, and the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? 
And he said, I know not. Did he know? Can't lie to God. Now he asked the question that's before us this morning. Am I? Say it with me. My brother's keeper. I ask you, Rocky Mountain Baptist Church, are you your brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Should it matter to us, to people that are around us, the people that live in the apartment complex we are in, the people we buy and sell from, am I my brother's keeper? Take a marker. Turn to Ezekiel chapter number 3. Ezekiel chapter number 3. I want to show you here. Am I my brother's keeper right before the book of Daniel, near to the back of the Old Testament? Lamentations, Ezekiel chapter number 3. I want you to look at verse number 18 and 19, if you would, please. Back up to verse 17. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman under the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Rocky Mountain Baptist Church was raised up by God to be a watchman. All around us on this, and let me say this to you. There are times, I'm not proud about it. There are times in my life I knew the will of God, but I fought God over it. I didn't want to be on the south side. I did not want to bring the church to the south side. One day, many years ago, 16, 17 years ago, we sat right on that porch. We'd been so winning in this area, Brother John Spurk and I, that we were waiting for the bus or van to come pick us up. We sat on that porch, and I got an a eerie feeling. And I felt the Lord telling me, you and this building, you and this property are going to be connected one day. I said, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> I'm not about to come to the south side. We put four different offers on four different wonderful pieces of property on the north side and God shut the door and God shut the door and God shut the door and God shut the door. And then God said to us, you going to listen? We found out we got in touch with a realtor and he said, told him what we wanted. He said, I got just the church. I said, where is it? He said, Prairie and O'Neill. I said, I know it. I'm going to say this to you, and God reminds me of this. Would I rather be, sometimes you think about, preacher, let's move this church into a, a safer community. And, and I'm going to tell you this, that we are right in the middle of the mission field where God placed this church. Right there. God, why did you bring us to the south side? Because I want a light. I want some salt. And I understand our first responsibility, and we did that when we came to this side, and we continue to do that, is hit every door on the south side of town. We are responsible. We are that watchman. But go back to the book of Ezekiel here. Look at the next verse, if you would, please. Verse 18. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speaketh to warn the wicked from, the, from his wicked way to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. We don't believe that, do we? 
We don't really believe that lost people die in their sins and go to a hell, do we? We don't really believe that. This is 2019. This is the 21st century. This kind of preaching existed back in the, uh, in, in the 19th century, in the 20th century. We don't believe that today, do we? It is true. Men and women, boys and girls that don't know Christ as Savior die in their sins and they go to a place called hell. And all God wants us to do, and not just in church as the pastor preaches throughout the week in your neighborhood, is wave a flag and say, listen, there's a God that loves you. He sent his son to Jesus to die on the cross for you. You don't have to die and go to hell. That's why God raised up Rocky Mountain Baptist Church. That's why in the early days, ladies sold tamales to pay the light bill. That's why they, they sold baked goods at Walmart and Kmart so that we could keep the doors open. That's why God touched the heart of a, a man that was presently lost and he gave the first thousand dollars so that we could patch the walls on that building. That's why God raised his church up to be a watchman on the wall. Would I love to have a Christian school one day? We need a Christian school. Don't let that scare you. Would I love to see a preschool in a day? A day yes, I would. Would I like to see some things that we don't presently have? Yes. But the primary focus of our church must be the saving of lost souls and then the discipling those who accept Christ and then send them back out. Look at the next verses, if you would, please. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. He will die lost. He will die judged. But in his lostness, in his judgment, and his damnation, God will lay at our door if we don't tell him. Brother Paul, you had to tell Royal. You had to. I remember some many months ago, preacher, would you pray for me? I've got a burden about my neighbor. I've got to tell him he's got cancer. And I think about this. Praise be to God that somebody, God put a watchman at Royal's house. And he said, listen, I'm going to go to him. I'm going to pray for him. Would you pray with me? I'm going over today. And Royal accepted Christ as Savior. And brother Paul, you'll see him in heaven one day. There, that street where you are, you're a watchman on your street. Our church is a watchman. You see that in the New Testament in the life of the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 20, verse 18 to 25, he says this. He asked the church there, I want you to bear witness of me that I'm pure from the blood of all men. Can you say that? I can't. I remember when Kathy and I were building our house, our first house. I said, God, I don't know who we're going to meet. But I want to witness to everybody who has anything to do with our first house. The first contractor we hired was to dig the hole. And he was a, a man about late 50s, I think. He came and dug the hole of our house. I tried to witness to him. He said, no, 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 no. He said, I don't do church. He said, my son and daughter do, but I don't do church. His name was Earl. Earl Allen. And I said, Earl, we're all going to meet the Lord one day. We're all going to stand before him. Just tried to be kind. He did a great job. We paid him. 
later on, we lost a, that was the days when we had, Lucy, you'll remember that, I'm sure we had 15 or 20 of us at most. We lost one of our key families. We're moving to Tennessee. And I remember that Saturday on my face before God. I said, God, listen, replace the Townsend family, would you, in our ministry? We need a good, solid family that will come roll up their sleeves and go to work. And here the next, the next week, here comes Lonnie and Terry Allen. Lonnie drove our bus, and Terry worked the bus, and they were soul winners and Sunday school teachers and how they worked in that ministry. And I remember Brother Lonnie coming to me. We didn't have the connection then. And he said to me, he said, Preacher, would you pray for my daddy? He's dying of cancer. He dug the hole to your house. I remember going over to that that modular where they lived and I remember going back in that back room and trying to talk to Earl, say, Earl, we got a little bit of time. Before you step out into eternity, you didn't get saved. But one of the girls was in a Christmas play. His body was so full of cancer and he's been treated with, with chemotherapy and he couldn't get his shoes on, so he put his dress, he put his bath, uh, bath slippers on and he came to church and he got saved. There's one of my stories. What about the man that worked on your house? He came and fixed your heater. You didn't even give him a track. Come on, preacher. We're a watchman. You didn't invite him to church. I'm not saying none of us invite everybody. None of us get every opportunity. I think about this. God says that we're a watchman. That person, that man, that woman, that boy, that girl is going to die in their sins without Christ. I ask you this this morning. One day we're going to stand before the great white throne or the Bema seat of Christ. At the Bema seat of Christ, will you hear the name of your loved one? At the Bema Seat of Christ. Will you hear the name of your son and your daughter? Will you hear their name? Does anything matter more to you in this life than your son or your daughter, or your grandson or your granddaughter, or your mama or your daddy standing whole before the Lord and you hear their name called? Welcome. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Will you hear their name? Will I hear the name of my loved ones? I've told you about before, and I don't talk about this much. My mom and dad divorced. We were allowed no contact with my mom. She lived here in Pueblo. One time of the year, we, received, we were allowed to receive something from her, and it was a birthday gift. On my 15th birthday, I opened so excited. My birthday gift came. I, can I tell you what I got? I got red, shiny, bell-bottom pants. You with me, Brother Brad? No? That bell-bottom was so big, it covered my whole shoe. And a green shirt. I looked like the ghost of Christmas past. Huh? And I got so excited. Because mom sent a package and I wanted those red. I don't know how she knew. I wanted those red bell-bottom pants. And I was so cool. I could walk to, to school and you couldn't even see my shoes. Huh? In there, a little note. Son, please give this to your dad. 
I didn't even read it. I run up and I, I gave it to dad. I said, mom said that. She wants you to have that. Probably five times in my life I've seen my dad cry. He gathered the whole family together. He held up a laminated newspaper article and he said, kids, let me say something to you. This man, Kenny Drew, died. He was my school buddy. He saved me from drowning. I wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for Kenny Drew. And God told me, witness to him, witness to him, witness to him, witness to him. And I never did. And he died. He carried that in his Bible every day to remind him. Next time I tell you to witness to somebody, you witness to him. Who's your Kenny Drew? Who's that one that God has laid on your heart? And you say, am I my brother's keeper? I hope the church gets them saved. I hope they get a track. I hope somebody from the church. Why not you? Why not? Am I my brother's keeper? I would answer with a resounding yes. You think about this. I don't have my keys. Somebody have a ring of keys. Who's got keys? Brother Jeff. A grapefruit. A hard-boiled egg. Whatever. You think about this. In the book of Acts... You think about this. God said to the disciples, you've got the keys to the kingdom. Right? Whatsoever you bind or loose. You don't tell you how we loose something with the keys of the kingdom. We knock on somebody's door. We witness to somebody and say, listen, you're a sinner. They don't like to hear that. We don't like to hear that. That is not politically correct. But God loves you. And He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for you. Last week, as, we, as you went home, and after we said our last amen, and you were in your car, you were home eating spaghetti. There were dedicated workers here that two young ladies just said, I want to be saved. Amen. They loosed. Some kids, some young people from their sins. We got the keys to the kingdom. No, I'm serious. We act like preacher, there's nothing I can do. Yes, there is. Open your mouth and tell them about Jesus. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bush. Oh, no. I'm going to let it shine. Am I my brother's keeper? I believe that we are. In the ninth chapter of the book of Acts, the Lord appears to Saul of Tarsus, and he said, you go into the city of Damascus, and there it will be told you what you must do. Why didn't Jesus just tell him? He says to Simon Peter, I want you to go to Cornelius. Why didn't he send an angel? I thought about this for many years, seven years as I prayed, God, send somebody to mama's house and tell her about Jesus every day, every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, every Thursday for seven years as a young boy. Pray and say, Mama, God, save Mama, God, save Mama. Thank God that one day some faithful soul winners did knock on our door and led her to Christ. He's not going to send an angel. He's going to send you. He's going to send me with a tear in our eye and some confidence in our heart that we've got the keys to the kingdom. 
Satan can't keep you from spreading the gospel. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Am I my brother's keeper? Cornelius needs to hear the gospel. God sent Simon Peter. Saul of Tarsus is going to go. And he's going to wait to what the Lord wants him to do. I'm going to make this statement to you. No soul has ever turned to Christ except through a soul winner. That's right. Some way they've got to hear the message. They've got to get the message. They've got to hear the message. No work for God has ever done except through a worker. We got you signing up. You say, preacher, I signed up for stuff last week. I signed up a couple weeks ago Sunday night. I don't even know what I signed up for. Some of you said, preacher, that was me. Somebody just said, sign here, and I signed it. Huh? Sign up. Why? We need workers, and I'm going to say this to you. Would it bless your heart if some way you ladies took a little blanket, however simple it might be, wrapped it around some diapers, and took it to Parkview Medical Center, and some caring mama, some mama who's having a tough time. Ladies, you ever been through postpartum depression? They take that little bundle and somewhere inside of it, they realized this came from some loving ladies at, at a church. And do, do they really care? And we see a mama come to know Christ as Savior. Amen. The instruments of God's salvation are in your hands. We got the keys to the kingdom. Yes, we, we got the keys. Think about this. When our Lord returned to heaven, imagine this. This is not in the scriptures. I'm just using this as an illustration. He's met by the angel Gabriel. He'd just been resurrected. He ascended. What if Gabriel, the angel, meets him and said, Lord, you've done your work on Calvary's cross. Look at the millions of people. How are you going to get your message out? How about the angels? Lord, we'll take your message to the ends of the world. And the Lord said, no, not going to do it, Gabriel. And Gabriel says, but Lord, what if they don't do it? What if they don't take the message? What if they fail? I think Gabriel would say to the Lord, to the Lord or the Lord would say to Gabriel, I don't have any other plan. Do you know any other plan God has to get the message out? You can use radio, you can use television, you can use the internet, you can use a track. But we're just getting the message out. And if we fail, if we fail, we have no other plan. There's not a plan B to get the message out. So I say to you, certainly, we used to sing this song. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. Lord, help me to live for others that I might live like thee. Others, the watchman on the wall, what are you going to do? I say this, I'm my brother's keeper in lost souls. I'm my brother's keeper in my home. Mama and daddy, Hillary is wrong. I'm, I'm trying to get... Political here, Hillary's wrong. It doesn't take a village to raise a boy or a girl. It takes a mama and a daddy. 
bring that little child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And if you're a single parent here, do your best. The church will help you. Watch this. I found this out to be true. If the church and the home will pull the same direction, we can raise a child for God. But if the church is pulling this way and the home is pulling this way, that child is going to follow the world. Am I my brother's keeper? You know what, preacher? I have no control over these kids. They're just going to do what they're going to do. I'm my brother's keepers in my house, in my family, with my children. Men of Rocky Mountain Baptist Church, be the spiritual leaders of your home. Don't wait for your wife to come to church and bring the kids. I'm going to be the spiritual leader. Why? God's called me to that role. Am I my brother's keeper in souls? Yes, we are. Am I my brother's keeper over those precious little boys and girls and grandkids in my home? Certainly we are. Lastly, I'm going to say this to you. I'm so burdened about our nation. What's the hope of America? The White House? No. The courthouse? Now listen, we're going to be more active than we ever have been. Pretty soon we're going to have some petitions. If you'd like to sign them, you're going to sign them. Our state and our nation's going the wrong direction. We had a Muslim woman who does not believe in the God of the Bible or the God that we serve said something about this into a Muslim forum this week. Somebody did something in 9-11. No, somebody didn't do something. Some Islamic terrorists took some planes and cut the throats of our pilots and they flew them into buildings and they killed almost 3,000 of us. How about child of God, quit trying to be politically correct and stand up and say, we've got a nation and blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I'm going to stand. I'm going to be the salt. I'm going to be the light. But preacher won't put me in a good light with with my colleagues. So be it. Our nation is changing. Our state is changing. And right there, if my, say it with me if you would please, if my people, which are called by my name, will do what? Home of themselves. Here I'm uh, God, use me. I'm not much. You don't have much to use. But God, I'm concerned about this nation. Help me to be salt. Help me to be light. And God will give you something to do. Am I my brother's keeper for souls? Yes. Mama and daddy in the home. I told our teens, and Brother Stephen, I don't know, I look forward to every month when I get those teens, but I leave that meeting just as burdened as I ever have. What are these kids, what are they experiencing? Drugs and alcohol and and promiscuity and political correctness. You can't live your faith out in the public forum anymore. Try to tell this is the message to the kids today. Kids, one day your mom and dad aren't going to make your decisions for you. Here's the choice. You choose to serve God. You choose to serve God. Why? Because he's the true God. Why? Serve him because you love him. Why? Serve him because you fear him. Why? Because it's right. Mamas and daddies, will you tell your kids that? Will you teach them to love God? God has put you a watchman in the home. I think about our nation. 
Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Stand please, heads bowed and eyes closed.